Ready? One, two, three, four. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Thompson tries to answer and does. Play Thompson with back-to-back threes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Wiggins, a three-pointer. Puts it in. A 15-point lead with 143 to play. The Warriors are ready to celebrate. The Dr. T.C. Martin launches. The doctor is now in. Oh, yeah. Middle of the work week. Hump day. Wednesday. Right? It is Wednesday. It is Wednesday. Just checking. Looking at the master calendar up there. Sorry. Get the master calendar confused with the TC Food Bets one. Yeah, it's glorious looking over there. Just keep adding to it. Mike Tice. I got Jim, or rather you got me. There's two, two up there from Tice. Schrader, there's two up there. There's still like 30 of them from Marco. (laughs) Marco is working his way, working his way to freedom. And he did pay off last Friday. That was nice. Glad to have you with us on this Wednesday, getting ready for college football championship weekend. Looking forward to that. Trevor Madge will join us today, as he normally does on Wednesday. College football playoff rankings unveiled last night. The next to last ones before the final rankings, which will take place on Sunday night to see who will be in the college football playoffs. And the big question here is, will the top four change? Now, we know there are eight teams that are vying for those four spots. And all eight are legitimate and really have legitimate chances. But when you come out with these rankings, one, two, three, four, and you've got teams that are favored in these games, like there's two games specifically, with Michigan and Florida State. So Georgia, number one, no one can dispute that. Michigan, number two, cannot dispute that. They're the top two teams, no question. Washington is number three. Florida State is number four. And those are probably the two teams that the committee is eagerly to bounce out. All right. Because it's Washington, it's the Pac 12. You do not have a a great history there of Pac 12 teams in the college football playoff. And Washington is facing Oregon Friday night here in Las Vegas at Elysian Stadium. Revenge game for Oregon, and Oregon is a nine-point favorite. So Oregon, the way they are playing right now, they should beat Washington. So that will cause a little chaos and bye-bye Washington. And will it give Oregon enough to get in over the likes of, say, Texas, Ohio State, or Alabama? Florida State is undefeated. And for more than likely, uh, they will... They will uh, Beat Louisville, even though that's a two-and-a-half-point spread, but you are playing with potentially a third-string quarterback. Second-string quarterback, who had to fill in for Jordan Travis, who got injured the week before, got injured, targeting call, and the game against Florida. So Florida State is a little bit of a mess of quarterback, but they are undefeated. If they win, you know you're not going to have Jordan Travis, 
which is their marquee player, does the committee hold back on Florida State? So there's a lot of interesting options here with that. So we'll take a look at that with Trevor Match today. Currently, it's Georgia, it's Michigan, it's Washington, it's Florida State. And then on the outside looking in right now, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama. And there are many people that believe that maybe Texas or Alabama should be ahead of Ohio State. But, again, Alabama's playing Georgia. They could play their way into the situation. Ohio State's done. Oregon can play their way in if they beat Washington potentially. So it'll be interesting. So we'll talk about all of the championship games with Trevor today. Kevin Kruger will join us. We'll talk college basketball. UNLV victorious last night, 78, uh, 72-70, a two-point victory. Evens the Rebels record at 3-3. Three and three. They led by 10 at halftime, led by 18 in the second half, win by two. <clears throat> Close call for comfort there. So not a great crowd at the Thomas & Mack last night. Uh, 4,700, I believe, was the report attendance. Looked a little bit less than that. But the, you know, Akron, not a marquee opponent. Got to beat the teams that are on your schedule. And uh, UNLV did get the victory, though. All right, so we'll talk to Kevin Kruger about that. And don't forget, a couple games coming up here at the Dollar Loan Center when the rodeo is in town. And uh, UNLV will be playing Loyola Marymount and Creighton coming up here in... Um, the week after next. So looking forward to that. You get a Saturday night game and you get a Wednesday game. The Wednesday game against Creighton on the 13th. All right. So we'll do that. But uh, we start today talking about the NBA in season tournament. Now, I never really cared too much about this. Again, it's kind of a cheap ripoff to a certain degree of what the WNBA does, it's there to create interest. But the reason why it's there is because, as you know, the NBA and the WNBA are really kind of in concert with each other. There's huge support there, obviously, not only from a funding perspective from the NBA to the WNBA, but the partnership and the marketing and everything that goes hand in hand with that. And what the NBA noticed was, okay, there's a pretty cool idea that WNBA does, uh, creates interest for these midseason games. But really what the NBA needed to do was kind of clear up their image because of the tanking situation, because of players resting, and they wanted to really try to minimize that going forward. So they came up with the idea of the in-season tournament. We've talked about it before, where each team is is playing four games within kind of proximate rivalries and that sort of thing. And so now we've come to the end of that. And last night you had eight games on the docket. The in-season games last night were pretty exciting, I guess. So you're playing the four games within your pod, all right? This is very similar to what you do with soccer, what you do uh, in international tournaments like the Olympics, that sort of thing. So some players are used to it, but I don't think the, the general public, especially that follows the NBA, really is in tune to this. So. You got the four games within your pod. Best record advances to the knockout round at single elimination, just like soccer. Just pretty much like it is with the Olympic Games with basketball as well, too, or the World Championships. So, but this has turned into more than just winning the game because you're going to get into tiebreaker scenarios when you only play four games in a pod here. All right. So the tiebreakers are going to go come into play here. And the tiebreaker here is point di- differential, which is 
Very, very unusual. So the game last night between the Warriors and the Kings in Sacramento, Golden State needed to win by 12 points or more to advance. Sacramento could lose the game by 11 and still advance. What happened in this game? Golden State was up 24 points in the second quarter. They were up 17 at halftime. They were up nine points at the end of three and figure, okay, we've got a little bit of a game now here. What happens? Kings come back, buzzer beater basically, Malik Monk, and the Kings beat the Warriors by one. A lot of things to this game and this story here because this was weird watching all this because for people that follow the NBA on a regular basis, they're going like, okay, we're usually just rooting for our team to win. But if you bet basketball or bet sports, specifically the NBA, this felt really no different because you're always rooting against a spread. If you have a team that's favored by whatever it is, six, eight, in this points, the case with the Warriors, 12 points. Highly unusual that the Warriors would be favored by 12 on the road, especially against the Kings a team that they battled seven great games with last year in the playoffs. I was having flashbacks because I was at those games last year in Sacramento. The atmosphere was electric. And last night watching from television, I don't know if the in-season tournament had anything to do with this, or is it just the Kings fans wanted to beat Golden State so bad, or of course you had the revenge factor from last year's playoffs, but this was electric. It was exciting. You had the chippiness. You had the arguing. You had Draymond Green getting a technical. Shocker there, right? It was a wild atmosphere. And, of course, the Kings have not fared well against the Warriors so far this year. The Kings really wanted to win this game. But it looked like, for all intents and purposes, the Warriors were going to win and the Warriors were going to advance to the next round. They were up 24 points in the second quarter. 17 at halftime. And then the momentum started to swing towards the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, and the Warriors got three happy. Well, why'd they get three happy? Because they knew, even though they were still up 14, 12, 10, that they had to keep scoring. Because winning the game by 1 or 11 was not going to be enough. They needed to win by 12 or more, and they were trying to do that. So even Steve Kerr was looking at his rotations, even though the Warriors had had been blowing out the Kings from the beginning, Steve Kerr only had two timeouts left going into the fourth quarter because they wanted to win by at least 12 points. It was really strange because for the first time ever that I could ever remember watching a basketball game, for the first time ever, everyone was on the same page. Whether you're a player, you're a fan, or you're a better, you're rooting for the Kings plus 12 or 11 and a half, right? Because 12 or more, or Warriors minus 11 and a half. That's what you were rooting for. Now, not everyone involved in this thing likes this situation. You look over in the East last night, you had the Knicks playing the Charlotte Hornets, blowout city, 115 and 91. New York got a wild card spot in the East because of point differential. New York finished second in the group, in their group B, behind Milwaukee. Josh Hart 
said this. He goes, it was interesting. I don't really like it. We were focused at first just about winning, but the last couple of minutes, it felt really weird. At a certain point, you just start chasing points and doing all that. So it kind of messes with the integrity of the game a little bit. And you can see that because the players have never been concerned about point spreads. I've said this time and time again, most players don't even know what the point spread is. They don't even know how to gamble. They don't know how to bet on sports. They're not even concerned with it whatsoever. Cleveland's playing Atlanta last night. Same scenario. Cleveland finished a group play at 3-1. and one, But the Cavaliers' point differential wasn't large enough to advance to the next round of the quarterfinals on the knockout stage. So they went down with a fight, though. They trailed by 20. Cavs were trailing by 20 against the Hawks. Hawks coach Quinn Snyder pulled the starters with 3.54 remaining in the game. However, the Cavs coach, J.B. Bickerstaff, stuck with his starters the rest of the way, hoping they can open in an even bigger lead to advance while Cleveland assistants watched the scoreboard of what the score was for the other games. Donovan Mitchell of the Cavs said this, I feel like we were all trying to score, but also respect the game. So it's different, especially when they took their starters out. You're trying to balance it. But at the end of the day, you're playing to win. You're playing to get to Vegas, which is where the championship is here, right? You're trying to get to the tournament. But it's definitely a little weird. Celtics blasted the Bulls last night, 124 to 97. Jason Tatum played the final nine and a half minutes of this game in the blowout. Celtics are are rolling by 25 plus points throughout the fourth quarter. Tatum's on the floor still. All five starters are playing at least five minutes into the fourth quarter, despite Boston being ahead by 29 points going into the fourth quarter. So it is weird. It is different. So obviously it is creating more attention to the in-season you know, tournament games. You still have had some players sit out, all right? But it is creating interest. But. There is a fraction of people and players are saying, you know, we don't don't want to play these extra minutes. We don't want to blow out these guys. We don't want to have to advance just because we have to win by 12 or 20 or whatever that is. So a lot of people today are talking about, well, we got to change this. Now, Adam Silver has said, this is still a work in progress, trying to figure it out. But point differential should not be involved here. Point differential is a factor in these other tournaments we talked about. Goal differential is always a big thing in international soccer tournaments. In World Cup basketball, point differential comes into play. The Olympic Games, it comes into play. But again, the American public, especially the players, coaches, fans, are not used to this. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What do you think of the whole NBA in-season tournament? Not really a fan. I don't like the goofy courts and all that stuff. But hey, bottom line is... Has it created some interest? Yes. So my question is, that Kings-Warriors game, the rivalry, the kind of the animosity, the hatred, because those have been physical games, especially with Draymond Green, the technical fouls, and as heated as these games have been over the last couple seasons between the Warriors and the Kings. Did the in-season tournament have anything to do with the intensity being played in this game that was basically what the 16th game of the year, give or take, for each team? 
The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, five-time NBA champion, knows a thing or two, of course, about playoffs, but has never participated in in-season tournaments. Curious to get your take, my friend, on what you saw last night. Kings Warriors, you've been listening. You heard what I had to say. What say you, my friend? Okay, well, you already know part of it. Uh, one thing, I can care less about the point spread and what are you supposed to win. Yeah, I mean, name the game, just win the game. And you win the game, you don't have all these issues. Yeah, so, but with this, that's so, it's more than win the game, as you know. If you want to advance for the extra money, obviously you have to you have to win. The Warriors need to win by twelve. These other teams need to win by a certain amount. So again, it's more than just win the game. In in this tournament, yeah. you you have to drub teams. Yeah. Well, do you like it? Problem is, the problem is, of course not. I mean, the problem is that the Warriors weren't playing very good to put themselves in that kind of predicament. And also, in that game, uh, the Warriors aren't at full strength. All was out. Gary Payton Jr. was out. Well they, well, they were out because they got injured during the course of the game. All right. Yeah, they're right. out. Right. So, so they're not at full strength. And so um, the Kings, who have a lot to prove, uh, have been getting throttled by the Warriors uh, for a couple of years now. So it was, obviously it was a big game. It's a big game for them. They came back. Uh, and amazing to you, I, I did watch the game. <laughs> Wait, um, how much of it? I mean, more than just the last, you know, two or three minutes like you normally do in a regular season game? Well, probably the last seven minutes. Okay. Good so, so you should be happy with that. Me too. That's, that's about right. Yeah. I, che- I checked in. Actually, I watched actually the last few minutes of the third quarter and the entire fourth. So. Yeah, I and which which I usually don't do, but I had interest because it was Kings, it was Warriors, and I I, I was uh in and, and and I tuned it in not so much about the in season tournament, but just you know the the history between these two teams. Um, look, look to me, those guys have to play really good basketball. They've got to keep guys healthy. You know why it's there. I mean, this was instituted because there were players that were sitting out. The star players, um, you know, were not were you know not interested in playing, and a lot of people were tuning in to only the playoffs in the in the postseason. And I get that. I'm with you. I, I don't like change. I'm a tr- traditionalist, just like you are. It's like you never had this before. Do you really need it? But this is not only the nature of the NBA, but it's the nature of sports. I mean, why else are we adding teams, more and more teams, to the NFL playoffs, Major League Baseball, the NBA? Why are we now taking the bottom feeders, the uh, teams that finish, you know, 10th through 13th and giving them an opportunity to qualify for the NBA playoffs? Why? Because they want to try to, you know, get people's interest, you know, and I'm not sure you need that. I'm, I'm, I'm not. And again, you know, it's it's a different day and age. So I guess, you know, people could point to you and I and say like, hey, you know, you guys are dinosaurs and this and that. This is the wave of things. Well, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. But I, I, I am I going to watch more of the in-season tournament more than a regular season game? I don't know. I really don't know if I'm not because, again, it's too gimmicky and I don't think you need it. But uh, it seems like these leagues or – uh, whenever the ratings drop or there's negative publicity, these leagues need to find a way to try to enhance things. Let's face it, that's why the WNBA did it. 
it's like, okay, we want to create, uh, you know, more viewers. And, you know, instead of people just tuning in to the finals, hey, maybe this will get people to tune in because we play for the Commissioner's Cup. Um, you know, definitely in the WNBA has nothing to do with players sitting out during the regular season because they only play 40 games. In the NBA, you're playing 82 games. So different reasonings, different scenarios. But it is funny that the NBA kind of picked up on this you know, because the WNBA has had some success with the Commissioner's Cup. Well, as, as far as players said now, there's got to be a better scenario, a better way to have those guys be challenged to play. And and look, for me, I partly uh, fault the fans for this also. It's my favorite players, and I'm paying a fortune to cover these games, aren't showing up. I'm not showing up. I'm not showing up. Why am I showing up? If these guys are playing, you know, 50 to 60 games a year, and there's no predictability who's going to play. So if it's a back-to-back game, they're not going to play. So this can be our best-case scenario to uh, have players play more games. I do like the idea of adding more teams and giving them an opportunity to play. I, I, I really do like that. But but I don't like this um, in play during the season. It's it's like you need incentive to go ahead and play basketball, and um, you know it's just that in itself is just really odd to me because uh, shouldn't you just want to play? Shouldn't you want to play basketball? What you do? What you do really well, supposedly, and, and get paid to do? handsomely for it too. I mean, getting paid very well, more than uh, players did, uh, you know, from 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and even more than three or four years ago. I mean, you're getting paid exceptionally well to apparently play the game that you love. You're right. You should show up and honor your contract. And like you've said so many times, everybody is playing hurt, especially in the second half of the season. Everybody is nicked up and banged up. And now, you know, you're taking off games 10, 12 games into the regular season? Come on. Well, look, the teams that are successful, like a Denver, like um, like the Kings were last year, mm-hmm. like Miami was, those, those guys didn't take time off. Those guys played. Those guys played 70-plus games. So that formula with the Lakers and Golden State, that didn't work. Those guys, uh, those guys are bounced out of the playoffs. So if, if that's your formula for, for winning, no, sorry, that's, that's not it. You've got to, you've got to be able to play and find your team and, and get your starters going and develop a bench. And that's, that's how you win a championship. So, um, I think, as you would imagine, I think that this is all interesting. It is new. Uh, maybe that'll bring some attention to the league. And let's just go with the bottom line. The team that's going to win a championship um, at the end of the season, is that because of the play-in tournament? Is that is that why we're is that no, why we're having them? No, totally separate. I mean, look at the WNBA for example with that as well. I mean, New York and in the Aces are playing in that midseason Commissioners Cup, and it's like okay, here's a prelude uh, to the championship, 
And yeah, New, New York uh, beat the Aces for that, but the you know, Aces came back uh, to to win the championship. But I agree with you, and you bring up a great point about those teams that you rattled off, like Denver and Miami, and even the Kings. You know, especially Denver and Miami going to the finals, um, and the way they managed their players. But how much of that has to do with the age? You know, those are pretty much young teams or young rosters from an age perspective. But, you know, you want to protect these older veteran rosters like the Warriors have with Steph and Clay and Draymond. And then, of course, LeBron James and Anthony Davis and those other guys, you know, with the Lakers. I mean, those guys are, are sitting out, you know, left and right, and even Durant to a certain degree with Phoenix. So, how much of that do you think has to do with? You know, preserving the body because those guys are older and maybe more susceptible to injuries. I mean, you know this better than anybody. Is is that a factor, you think, or not? I think what the factor is, how many guys are you actually playing on your team? So if you had a 10-man rotation, this that wouldn't be a factor because then these guys wouldn't have to play 40-plus minutes a game. If these guys could play mid-30s, you play your bench, um, and you just go out through that course throughout the course of the year. The problem is that these guys, when they play their, when they play their starters, their stars, they, get, they log 40 minutes in the game, which makes no sense at all. So it's, it's almost the same that, look, I've got guys, young guys on my NBA roster, and they, and, and they can't play. Well, if they can't play, why do you have them? If, if you're not playing them, why aren't you? Why aren't you? Aren't you trying to develop these guys? If you can't play these guys 10, 15 minutes a game, you can't play these guys seven minutes a half. It's it's preposterous. So I think it's just how your rotation's going, how you're developing your team, how you're developing your young guys. What is your GM doing about getting free agents to keep building your team? And as you know, in watching our Bulls team over the years, we were always replenished every year, getting guys, getting guys like Bobby Hansen, getting guys like uh, Trent Tucker um, on our team, getting guys like Cliff Levingston on your team. Your bench, for me, makes your team. So... Um, playing a seven, eight man rotation makes no sense. So that's going to wear out your team. That's going to wear out your stars. And that's why you would need all this, all this time off. And these guys are playing 60 games. And then once you hit the playoffs, you're not in bounds. Basketball, you can't just turn it on and off. You've got to be consistent throughout the course of the year. You got and it. that's why I really, really had a strong appreciation for Denver last year. Because that's exactly what they did. They played their guys. They played their bench. They balanced it. They were hungry. And they won a championship. Great stuff, my friend. All right. Uh, we'll let you get back to it. Uh, appreciate the time, as always. And uh, hopefully uh, you got on that treadmill uh, plenty of times over the last few days after your uh, glorious Thanksgiving meal there at the Cartwright table. Well, I did have to cut back on the carbs the last two days. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I said, not everybody's blessed like you with your metabolism. You, you can eat anything. 
Uh, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm sure. So, I'm sure you ate, ate quite a bit, and you went variety uh, last Thursday. I'm sure of that. Oh yeah, there was some serious turkey, and it was really, <laughs> really good food. You would really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. My sisters did the right thing, and my cousins—they booted me out of the kitchen, so I couldn't get in there until everything was ready, as they should. Yeah. And and then it was time to rock and roll. Yeah. But uh, three great football games, tons of food. Come on. That's what it's all about. There you go, brother. All right, my man. I will talk to you soon. Enjoy the action this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Adios. There he is. The big seven-footer, big Bill Cartwright, the five-time NBA champ, not liking the NBA in-season tournament, not liking the load management. Uh, Again, you like it, you don't. And again, from a player's perspective, having to win by double digits or even more than that, that's crazy. It's crazy. You're just not accustomed to that and that's why you're getting the mixed reaction especially from the players we come back trevor mass joins us we turn our attention to college football i'm ready to go in coach just give me a chance the doctor is now in 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 all right don't forget to join us coming up friday at the westgate that's right. Our Friday extravaganza, best bets in all at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. Come on by, see the show live, and then immediately after the show, we head over to Allegiant Stadium for the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington, battling for a spot in the college football playoffs. All right, the rankings came out last night. Now we'll find out what happens this weekend with the championship games, the conference championship games. Join us now, the one and only Trevor Maddich. What's going on, my friend? TC, I am doing good, man. How are you doing? We're doing good, man. You know, just trying to keep this voice, uh, you know, uh, going here, man, because uh, we're just so, so many sports. Everything's going on here, uh, especially here in Las Vegas. And uh, we can't get enough of the excitement here, Trev. Wow, well, there's been a lot going on. I see. I thought you were at the Taylor Swift concert, yelling and screaming like crazy. <laughs> no, no, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, didn't want me to show up uh, for that. So you know, I well, thought... you know, he doesn't want the competition. Is all. There you go. What are you gonna do? All right, my friend. Um, so uh, last time, what uh, we 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 talked with you about the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, table there at the at the Manicha household. Did you did you restrain yourself or did you just dive in? Because last time we talked with you, you were talking about you know maybe just having like a you know power shake or or something like a diet pill or something like that, turkey pill. No, no, no. I had a I had an appropriate Thanksgiving meal for me. I had a protein shake and a cough drop, <laughs> and that was about it. I had a, I've, I've had. Um, I've had plenty of uh, indulgent moments, and now I'm on the way back down. Shall we put it that way? I love it. And so, uh, but I, on Thanksgiving, though, I did halftime of the Egg Bowl, uh, so that was uh, tremendous fun. So I was basically getting ready for that, and I was working on Thanksgiving. But I'm thankful to have a job, so that's a yeah. good thing. Well, yeah. Well, I was uh, downing my uh, chicken wings at my favorite restaurant. I was, uh, I was, I was watching you uh, there at uh, at halftime, uh, the beard and all, and uh, I had a little interest in. The the, uh, in, in Mississippi myself. So, you know, hanging on for the victory there. So, uh, yeah, that was good. You know, with the Egg Bowl, which, again, we did not know uh, for sure until you straightened us all out that, again, it wasn't for an actual egg. It was just a trophy that is looks like a bad rendition of a football that looks like an egg. Yep. 
<laughs> yep, that's where uh, that that's where it comes from. So it's not as exotic as it probably could have been. They should make up a better story than that. Yeah. But that's the story that uh, is true. All right, my friend. So Georgia one, Michigan two, Washington three, Florida State four. Outside looking in, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama. Seems like we have this conversation every year, but do you have a little bit different feeling this year as we approach the first weekend in December that there could be some total chaos? Because you really could make a case that even these teams that are sitting at number seven and eight right now have a legitimate shot not only of getting in the playoff, but maybe winning it. Right. Seven is Texas and eight is Alabama. Alabama is stuck behind Texas because the committee is honoring the Texas head-to-head victory in September over Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And by the way, same thing with Washington and Oregon. I think Oregon is a better team than Washington, like by a mile right now. But the committee has Washington at three, Oregon at five, and they are respecting Washington's head-to-head win over Oregon, knowing that, you know, that'll take care of itself in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. And so, but yeah, Alabama and Texas certainly have the ability to win it all. I think most of the teams in the top eight have the ability to win it all. And I, I kind of think, TC, that from the standpoint of the committee, uh, it's either going to be super easy or an absolute nightmare to get those four teams in. I mean, right now their top four are all undefeated, um, you know, conference, you know, leaders. And if all four of those teams uh, win their conference championship game, they're in and nothing else matters behind them. So it's going to be, um, uh, well, check that. Yeah, uh, that's right. what's going to happen. No, you're so right. yeah. it's either going to be that or craziness. And, you know, the first craziness that could happen is if, if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, that's the first chaos agent and maybe the most likely chaos agent. If that happens, everything breaks loose. So Washington, Oregon will play first because it'll be Friday night here in Vegas. Even though that Washington is undefeated, like you said, and they hold the head-to-head victory over Oregon, they're undefeated at 12-0. But Oregon, like you said, Trevor, you can make the argument they're playing not just better than Washington because that's clear. But they, you can make the case that they're probably playing better than anybody else right now. Therefore, that's why they're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Washington. So that's, where I think, where everything can start, you know, come, you know, creating the chaos, and then you follow that up with Saturday with those games that you have on Saturday, specifically, you know, at 1 o'clock Pacific time here, 4 o'clock Eastern in Georgia in Alabama, where Georgia is a six-point favorite. But going back to the Alabama-Texas thing, let's go ahead and try to make it, you know, interesting here and just say for the sake of argument here. But how much credence do you put in to the head-to-head, whether it's Oregon and Washington, but specifically the Alabama-Texas thing? You see, as, as a player, head-to-head is the highest of high bars mm-hmm. to have to overcome. Now, it can be overcome, but it has to be so clear that head-to-head is overcome that there's really no question about it. It's kind of like the, the replay standard that to overturn the call on the field, it has to be unequivocal video evidence if two teams like alabama and texas right now if two teams have the same record they both win a conference championship but texas has the head-to-head over alabama i don't think you can possibly put in alabama without putting in texas and the committee is and i think they're respecting that because of what they've done with the two major head-to-head 
matches they have in the top eight. We'll see what happens as time goes on, because if Alabama does edge out Georgia, you kind of have to put Alabama in, and they'll go from eight to four at the lowest, because Alabama now will be a one-loss SEC champion who just beat the committee's number one team, Georgia. But then what do you do with Texas? Is Texas able to jump up from number seven to get up into the top four as well by virtue of the fact that they beat Alabama early in the season? And if they don't, then you're going to have, you're all going to break loose because the games have to matter. And that, that's where the chaos starts to happen because then you not only have Alabama will be a one loss SEC champ in the playoff, most likely. You also will likely have Georgia make a great case to be a one-loss non-champ in the playoff. And then, by all rights, Texas should be in because they beat the SEC champ Alabama, who's in the playoff, and they have the same record as Alabama. So so that scenario right there, if Alabama edges out Georgia, all of a sudden you've got the potential for two SEC teams and Texas to have an argument to get in there, and then everything just goes crazy. And in that scenario, who you don't want to be is Florida State. Florida State is still winning. They're an undefeated Power 5 champ if they're able to beat Louisville. But they have had issues with injuries down the stretch. They haven't been dominant down the stretch. They have survived in advance. Now their quarterback is out. Jordan Travis got hurt against North Alabama, which I thought was on one of the dirtiest hits I've seen in a long, long, long time. But that's a different story. Um, and so now their backup take Rodemaker is in, and he's held serve, man. He brought him back from behind against North Alabama. Uh, last week he he brought him to a victory. Now he's got a chance to beat um, Louisville. And if they do that, Florida State will be a, an undefeated Power Five champ. The problem is if Alabama beats Georgia, the conversation in the committee room will be: Is Georgia the non-champ unequivocally better than Florida State the champ? Because that's the standard for a non-champ to get in over a champion. Are they unequivocally better? And I think you can make the case that Georgia is unequivocally better, even if they lose a tight one to Alabama. So that's where things break loose. So let me ask you this, Trev. Should we discount or just slightly discount the victory from Texas over Alabama because it was early in the year, the beginning of the season in September? And then what about factoring in, this is a popular argument, as you well know, uh, the strength of schedule, much better, tougher for Alabama than Texas. You can make that case. And, uh, and and that's what the committee will try to do. And it's quite likely that they will successfully complete that and put in Alabama, but not Texas. And I will then turn purple and burst. <laughs> because I don't care when you play, you played them head-to-head. And if a group of people in an air-conditioned room eating shrimp and croissants keep putting data into the almighty spreadsheet until they get an outcome that says, yeah, the, the, the team that lost head to head, we're going to go ahead and, and negate what we saw on the field for three hours and use some other formula or some other timing of the game or some other criteria among two teams that are otherwise conference champions and have the same record. And, you know, both of them have a pretty good, it's not like Alabama played, you know, in the, in the AFC, you know, North. It's not, not like the, not like the schedule was like that, but they will have beaten the number one team of the nation, Georgia, and Texas wouldn't have an opportunity like that. The almighty spreadsheet will then kick out a formula to negate 
what we saw happen on the field for three and a half hours. And I just can't bring myself to accept that. I just can't. So it sounds like Trevor knows a thing or two. He has a little experience about what goes on in these back rooms, air conditioning rooms with shrimp and croissants. So you know about this. You, you know what's going on back there. Now, let me ask you, my friend, would you feel a little bit better if it was, say, a bunch of former offensive linemen, former players, and we were just eating some chicken wings and hamburgers, say, maybe in the tunnel outside of a locker room, and then let's decide this without any computers? Would you feel better? Well, I feel better if it was me, you, and Marco. Yes. <laughs> right? We'd get it right. We'd get it right. The three of us, we would do it, and, and we'd get it right, and no one would be able to argue with us because we would, we would, you know, we would have your good looks, Marco's brilliance, and I would just beat him up. <laughs> uh, you know, figuratively. So, you know, you can't argue with that kind of power. So, no, but it's, it, the thing about the committee this year, though, and it's been this way every year to a degree. Uh, I mean, every year to a degree, really up until now, that fourth spot, there's been controversy, but it hasn't been wailing and gnashing of teeth to the degree that you could say somebody got ripped off. You could say two teams were were uh, worthy of that fourth spot, and you could pick either one and you wouldn't be wrong, right? Well, right now, depending on how the conference championship game goes, games go, you could say there's going to be basically six teams that are going to be, you know, available and maybe even seven that should be squeezed into that 14 playoff. And so no matter what the committee does, they're, someone's going to be super mad at them because their team is going to have a really good case. Start with what we talked about with Texas that Texas had, um, you know, they beat Alabama. If they, if they went out and Alabama wins out, you know, Texas fans have a great expectation that they should be in the top four. The problem is, there are about three other teams that also are in competition with them for that four spot that have an equally good um, case. So if I'm the committee, I know, I know what I value. I value the head to head, but the committee has got all kinds of things they have to deal with. And no matter what they do, someone's going to be righteously mad at them and the committee won't be wrong. See, it's crazy that way. Well, the committee has to you know, worry about how many shrimp to order and croissants and what type of croissants. Well, they have people that do that for them, so you know, you know that's the good thing about being in the committee is that you got people to order your bread, so that's good. <laughs> Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst, our guru, right here. Okay, so you mentioned the total chaos really starts with the SEC championship game, Alabama and Georgia, my friend. All right, we're saying if Alabama wins, where's your if on this game, man? What do you think happens? You know, I. I, I get the impression, my feeling now, and I'm, it's too early for me to call it right now, but that Georgia wins, Alabama covers. I mean, right now, depending on where you're looking, it's Georgia minus five and a half or so. And the the, the way these things, these two teams stack up um, is that Georgia has injury issues. And I worry about those injury issues, especially in the in the wide receiver room and on defense. By the way, they've they've got some young guys playing um, major roles that they didn't want to, especially at linebacker because of injury. At receiver last week um, against Georgia Tech, Brock Bowers, their great tight end, didn't play. Lad McConkey, their most effective receiver, didn't play. And Ra Ra Thomas, who is a transfer receiver from Mississippi State, who is also one of their one of their best receivers also did not play. All three of them didn't play. 
and McConkie and Thomas are listed as questionable now, I think. Brock Bowers is not listed as questionable. He had a sore ankle after having had um, tie rope surgery on his high ankle sprain about, I don't know, five, six weeks ago or so. And, um, and so, but they held him out against Georgia Tech. So the question is, how effective will those guys be even if they come back? Keep in mind that the week before, Brock Bowers had like seven catches that tied for the team lead, but he only averaged about, about six yards or so per catch, uh, because he didn't have his burst. Normally he'll catch the ball, break a tackle, and then burst it out, run everybody to the end zone. He just got that kind of ability. He didn't have it two weeks ago and he didn't play at all last week. And so I'm a little worried about, about the explosive potential for Georgia's passing attack, considering that Alabama has an outstanding pass rush unit. They can bring guys off both edges, Chris Braswell and uh, Turner, Dallas Turner. And they've got a very good secondary. I mean, they're going to have, you know, first or second round draft choices, multiple guys in their secondary when they finally come out, Alabama does. And so, you know, this is where normally I would say, you know, I'll give the edge to Georgia, uh, but this is, this is tough to call because of, of the injuries that Georgia has and the growth, especially of Jalen Milrow, and quarterback for Bama. So it's this is a tight one. It's a tough one. All right. Florida State mentioned them at 12 and 0, but maybe not getting a lot of love because the committee will know that Jordan Travis is not there. Uh, they're a slight favorite over Louisville by two and a half. Louisville has two losses. Uh, Kentucky beat Louisville, one of my best bets. Thank you very much from last week. But how do you, how, how, how do you size this up with Florida State with Rodemaker? Remember, he got hurt. He was targeted in a vicious penalty last week. He had to come out, and the third-string quarterback had to had to finish the game. How is he, and does Florida State have enough to beat Louisville to stay in the conversation? Uh, they're a little tight-lipped on how he is. The, uh, the, the thing about Louisville, to me, the, the biggest matchup, it starts with the quarterback position. How effective is that going to be? But remember, there's opposition, um, and Louisville has an incredibly disruptive uh, front on run and pass plays. They're outstanding at getting behind the line and causing all kinds of havoc. Ashton Gelati is one of the best sackers in the ACC, one of the best sackers in the nation for Louisville. And so it's, it's, it's a matter of the quarterback situation at Florida State, but it's also a matter of how does he perform under pressure? Because I expect him to be pressured. I expect Louisville to come up and jam up the line, jam up the run, uh, get after the quarterback and force whoever plays quarterback for um, Florida State to win the game with his arm. Now, the problem is if they don't get there, Florida State with Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson and others at wide receiver have big, tall guys that you can't really cover because if you throw the ball up high, they could just jump out of the building and catch it. Keon is 6'4", um, a little over 200 pounds, I think, and he, he played some basketball at Michigan State. I mean, he can jump. And then Johnny Wilson's 6'7". Uh, around 230 or so. So, you know, these are, these are matchup nightmares if the quarterback can get the ball out relatively accurately. And to me, that's where this game is going to be won or lost. All right. And they get it done. What's the answer there? They get it done right now. I'm leaning Louisville. Really? Because games like this are more, are lost more often than they're won. And I think the potential for mistakes is higher on the Florida State side. Plus teams that can throw the ball. Uh, against Florida State, they tended to have success. And even though Louisville's not a, a very precise passing attack, they get a lot of chunk plays. I mean, their whole offense is chunk play. 
you know, watching Louisville's offense was like a whole lot of not much. And then all of a sudden, bam, 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 bam. And then a whole lot of not much. And they end up scoring a bunch of points that way. And so I, I my, my lean right now is Louisville. That's some strong bam, bam, bam from you, Trevor. That's real strong. There you go. I like yeah. it. All right, Texas, Texas, two and a half. Uh, I mean, a two touchdown favorite over Oklahoma State. I don't think there's any doubt what we think is going to happen there. And then you mentioned Oregon is playing great uh, football, and uh, Washington's undefeated though. Uh, the game was tight the first time around. So even though the Washington struggled, especially against Washington State in the Apple Cup on their home field last week, do you think that they regroup? And uh, do we have this shootout between these top two quarterbacks and Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix? What do you think happens? Yeah, I expect it to be high scoring uh, because of the quarterbacks. I think that uh, Washington has been up and down, and it hasn't necessarily been because of injuries. You know, there was a flu bug that went through their their locker room, uh, you know, a few about a month ago or so, and that, that caused a little bit of trouble. But even so. Arizona State held Washington to zero offensive touchdowns. The Huskies won that game because their defense got a pick six. That's essentially what happened there. Um, Stanford uh, pushed Washington's defense around, right? And so nobody does any of that stuff to Oregon. It's just Oregon has been so consistent on both sides of the ball. And Bo Nix is completing like 78% of his passes or so. The the you know the the running attack is much more consistent for Oregon. The defensive front is much more consistent than for Oregon than Washington. And and I I, I got to look at the number here, but uh, you know I think Oregon's going to win this game. So if Washington, you know if Washington's favored, I, I think Oregon wins this thing no. outright. Keep it. Oregon's favorite. Oregon's favored by nine. Yeah, favored by nine. Okay, I got to think of. Yeah. I got to think of the. Um, I got to think about that number, but in terms of who wins the game, right. uh, I like Oregon. Keep in mind that at Washington earlier in the season, when Washington beat Oregon, that game came down to f- to three fourth down plays. Oregon's offense had fourth and three three times. One was on the three yard line. They went for it instead of kicking a field goal at the end of the first half, and they 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 got stuffed. Um, and then the the last one, the last one was. Fourth and three, Oregon had the lead, and if Oregon had converted that fourth and three, they would have run the clock out. They didn't, and Washington came back and scored the game-winning touchdown late. That's how close that game was at Washington. I don't think it's going to be, you know, I think Oregon's going to get their revenge. All right, Trevor, final thing here for you. We didn't talk too much about the Big Ten championship game, but I'll just ask you this. Let's see, that kickoff is going to go, let's see, about 5.18 p.m. on uh, Pacific time here on Saturday night. Uh, what time do you think Iowa actually scores the first points? Uh, I think March. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's, you know, Iowa, it is it is really a cry and shame that Iowa's uh, defense has been squandered in recent years by their totally inept offense. And, and the thing is, they're just not going to, they're just not going to be able to move the ball. I don't know what the total is on this one. You know, Iowa's been a, basically a lock for the under. 35. Um, you know, 35? 35. But so I, got one be- I got one better for you, Trev. With the, you know, each yeah. team, they have a team total here. Do you know what the team total on Iowa, how many points the Hawkeyes are expected to score in this game? Two, maybe? Six and a half. <laughs> no way. Isn't that crazy? Six and a half. Wow. Can they score a touchdown? Wow. Oh, God, that's uh, their defense might, their special teams might. Right. Yeah. I don't know that their offense is not going to drive the field. So absent a, um, absent a, 
an uncharacteristic busted assignment or something like that from Michigan and absent a turnover that gives Iowa a short field maybe a couple of times. I don't know that Iowa is going gonna, is gonna to score an offensive touchdown. I just don't. But it's going to be tough spreading for Michigan, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because Iowa's defense is really, really good. All right, my friend. We'll let you get back to it. Uh, appreciate the time, as always. you got to feel good that you don't have any Mac assignments this week, so you can just kind of take a little deep breath as you get ready for the big weekend. I know, but a uh, huge weekend it is. And wh- where are you going to be supplanted at? Uh, I've got uh, radio, uh, College Game Beyond ESPN right. Radio. Right. And then all day Sunday, I'll be all over everything, along with a cast of thousands talking about the uh, the bowls and the final rankings for the for the playoff. And uh, and and we'll see. Maybe there'll be some drama when uh, when uh, Jim Harbaugh comes back and coaches coaches his team on the sideline for the first time and you know he missed the last three games and he might help and he might not we'll see i just hope we don't have to look at a purple trevor maddich uh, who's ready to burst we don't want, we don't want to see any purple in you head to head has <laughs> to be respected exactly brother appreciate you i'll talk to you later Thanks, DC. My man, Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football. This is me. I'm on Saturday in studio, ESPN Radio, and then Sunday and then Monday and those days. You'll see his mug on TV from Sports Center and all the college football specials that ESPN produces talking about the college football playoff. Appreciate him, as always, and he'll join us on Friday for our best bets, of course, that we have with myself, Marco D'Angelo, Scott Spritzer, the crew, Gilby the intern, Westgate, Las Vegas. On Friday, 2 to 4. Looking forward to the best bets. Yes. All right, next hour, college hoop we talk about. Some NFL news and a whole lot more. Live. Entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! Gol! Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. I said last hour that there's a less similarity between the NBA in-season tournament and soccer, right? Same thing. Tiebreakers. Controversy. Go, 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 Oh, I know. You don't have the voice for that. Leave it alone. I got to leave it alone today. Sorry. Voice has been very active lately. Very active. There you go. More of the hot tea, chamomile tea, and the honey. That's the key, my friend. I'm telling you, add a shot of whiskey. Sh- really? Yes. Really? Yes. That'd be a problem. It wouldn't be a problem. It's a problem. Why? 
don't have any whiskey in the house. I don't have any alcohol in the house. So just go Unless get... you count my go get like the, bottle of wine. Go get like the little air pa- never airplane bottles. Go go like I, like the I, little travel bottles that are like two bucks. Really? Yeah. Whiskey. Yes. What will that do for the voice? It'll help save the voice. Kevin Kruger will join us this hour. We're talking about UNLV's victory over Akron last night. The Rebels improved to three and three. They're led by ten at the half, led by eighteen in the second half. They had to hang on for dear life to get a victory over. Akron, the Zips, 72 to 70. All right, so we'll talk to Kevin Kruger a little bit uh, later this hour regarding uh, the Rebels, not only that game last night, but a look ahead to the uh, schedule uh, coming up. All right, so we didn't get to get to a terrible Tuesday story yesterday, but why not? Let's get to it today. Now, I've been watching a little bit more of the NFL red zone package, right? Yeah. Right. On, you know, because again, I have direct TV. So, and, wait. I've, and I've had the the whole package, you know, every year, but then this year, YouTube bought him out and you got to go to YouTube to get the Sunday ticket. Well, I didn't get it right away because I was gone. I knew I was going to be gone for yeah, most you, of these weekends. I go, hmm, no well, need to pay for it. No need to pay for it. I So then now that I've been home the last couple weekends, or two of the last three weekends I've been home, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I should look at like the in-season price or something like that. And then, so the two weekends I have been home on Sundays, um, I've gotten the, uh, just look, you know, looking at the red zone stuff. So eh, it's pretty good. That's, that sufficed. So I was at the Raider game on Sunday like every home home game. So that's, you know, why am I going to get it? Why am I going to get the package? So I didn't get a chance to see the controversy or hear about the controversy that happened, right? Which you informed me about. Yes. All right. You were going to say something before. Is this, we're, we're, we're talking the red zone situation. Yes, the red zone. Okay. I, I didn't know if you were going the Harlan jinx. Harlan had a jinx? Harlan had a jinx. Regarding what? Uh, the Raiders feel a goal miss. Oh, no, no. Again, I Kevin no, was I know. a couple booths down, so I didn't get a chance yeah. to hear that either. So he had a jinx? So he jinxed the Raiders. All right. He, he said that he hadn't missed in like 43. Oh, Daniel Carlson. Carlson. Yeah, Carlson. Carlson my, hadn't missed. My, my fantasy field goal kicker, by the way. Yeah, hadn't okay. missed in how long? I mean, you should know this. He's your field goal. He, your... Yeah, long time. Yeah. yeah. Going on. Yeah. Actually, he had. Uh, I think he had missed earlier this year, though. I believe didn't he miss earlier Some, this year? Yeah, yeah. So he had and he and and Harlan was like, "Oh, he hasn't missed it." Do you have that? I don't have that. Oh, oh. <laughs> then why'd you bring it up? Because I didn't know if that's where we were going. It's just a, it's just a little funny fun fact. Okay. Because he just decided to. But you had it yesterday. I didn't have it. I just had the story yesterday. Yeah, the story. There's no okay. audio of it that I've seen. Really? Okay. It's just I've seen. All right. All right. So you derailed the story now. I did derail the story, yeah, because but you, we are going to talk and, about and, and, the, and the red zone. And you don't have the audio to back it up. Now, see, if you would have the audio to back it up, I'm just saying, why'd you even bring it up? Because it's there's two stories that we were going to talk about yesterday. I didn't yeah. know if it was that one yeah. or if it's this and, one. And one, you have audio. One, and, I have audio. And one, you don't. But yes. you bring up the one that doesn't have the audio. Because it's just a little quick fact. Oh, okay. All right. You got more editing to do. <laughs> but, you know, the NFL red zone. Okay. 
yes. was evacuated yes. mid-game. Okay. So the NFL red zone is, you know, where it takes you and, and they do a fantastic job with, 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 with the coverage. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Had a great, I don't know if I shared this with you last week, but when I was with Dusty last week, we we're at the house, at his house and, um, he, like me, had the direct TV package too. Yep. So I said to him, I said, Hey, do you have, cause we're watching the Niner game, the afternoon games. And there's like really not very many good games are going on. I said, did you get the YouTube package? He goes, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, but I think we get, we get all the games. So I had to explain to him, no, you don't have all the games unless you got the YouTube thing and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And so then, of course, you know, his wife comes in and Melissa's great. And she's trying to say, okay, what are you guys trying to do? What are you, what are you trying to do? And we're going like, well, we'll watch all the games. So she goes, so you want like all the games on the, on the, on, on the one screen, like the fight and fight? No, we just, do you have the package? She goes, well, I don't know if we have the package or not because it's, that's YouTube. And oh, ask Darren. He'll, he'll know. It's like, you know, he might have set it up, but it was, we're going back and forth and we go, let's just get on the red zone. Okay. Great. 211. Turn on the red zone. Not available. Like, why what, was what, it not available? Not available. It's like, you know, again, now he's, he's been gone all year too. Right. True. So, but you know, he's like me. At least I, it's still, I, I still get to 11. I haven't touched anything. So we couldn't figure that out. She was trying to figure it out, this and that. So we're trying to explain to her what the whole red zone thing was. And it was just hilarious seeing Dusty either like repeat what I'm saying or tell her. He goes, no, baby, we, we got to get, we got to get the game. It takes you the last two minutes or it takes you, you know, whatever plays happening. It, it's good. I said, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll just then order it right now. You know, it's like, okay, order right now. How do you order? I don't know how to order it. So it was like real, it was, it was a funny, chaotic story. And I said, don't worry. We only need it for crunch time. And he goes, yeah, we just need it for crunch time, baby. Just crunch time. (laughs) So none of the games had crunch time. So I said, uh, you know, you work on it next week while I'm gone. Okay. Forget about it. Anyway, I like the red zone. The red zone's fun. I like the red zone. Okay. And they do a fantastic job, except when this happens. This is a first in my 20-something year broadcasting career. We have an alarm going off in the studios of NFL Red Zone right now in our studios here in Inglewood, California. We are being told we need to evacuate the building. We do not know the nature of the emergency. You can probably hear the alarm going right over the top of my right shoulder here. Uh, As it is something absolutely unprecedented for us, we have this game on the closest game, the Philadelphia and Buffalo game. Our control room needs to evacuate at this time. The studio in which I'm standing needs to evacuate at this time. We are all good right now. We're remaining calm, but we are following protocols, as I'm sure you all would at your places of work. Uh, So to be continued, hopefully, although this game is in the fourth quarter, I will come back and give you a live update if and when I am able to. Thank you for your understanding and your patience. And here is third and 13 for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> so a few things on that. So that's Scott Hansen with the NFL Network, all right, to oversee the red zone. That happened at 416 Pacific time, all right? They're in L.A. across from SoFi Stadium, right? I believe that's where it's at. Yeah. Uh, they were yeah, in England. They're right there. Uh, they were being evacuated. There was a fire alarm that went off. It was a false alarm. And they, of course, they determined it was a false alarm. And so a couple things out of that. It's like you hear the siren going on there. That is classic. That is hilarious. And then he goes that I am standing here 
and you know, in the middle of the studio, well, get the heck out of there. You know, it's, it's funny. I could just see people like say, get out of the building, get out of the building. This, that is going like, I have to finish, you know, my, I've got to finish I, I, the I gotta, show. Yeah. I've got to finish the show. I got to finish what I'm saying. Remind me of TJ Reeves there. Didn't it sound like TJ Reeves? It did. As a matter of fact, Scott Hansen is talking like this and they're saying, get the hell out of here. And he's going like, okay. So I am standing in the middle of this controlled chaos here, but, uh, so we are leaving. All right. And, uh, if I'm able, I will come back and uh, g- give you more. Yeah, if, if if you make it out of the the fire, or whatever else. But you know, we're not supposed to laugh this, but that was pretty hilarious. That was, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: is we can laugh at it now. False alarm, funny as hell. Yeah, I mean, it was it was funny. Yeah, you know, if it, if, it, if it was a fire or some sort of threat or something like yeah. that, you know, then it's okay. Then you can't laugh, but you can laugh. You can laugh now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was able to get back. I'll, I'll give him credit because uh, the way he handled that situation was very good. It was very professional, the way he, he did that. But I just think it's kind of funny. It's like, okay, get the heck out! But he wanted to go on for another minute or so uh, explaining the situation. And hey, uh, you know, here, uh, you know, and, and I'll be back. Uh, oh, and uh, so signing off. Oh, here's third and thirteen for the exactly for the Eagles. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and then, would you like to hear how he, how he ended the show? Sure. As the emergency recording continues to sound here in the Englewood, California studios here at NFL Red Zone, we say thank you so much for watching. Glad you spent the rest of your Thanksgiving weekend with us. For all the hardworking women and men in the studio and in the control room, I'm Scott Hansen. Thanks so much for watching. We leave you as we always do with one more look at every touchdown from every game presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Good night. So he's, sit, he's sitting there or standing there, whatever, because he said standing, which is kind of uh, odd. Well, because he's uh, got like the standing desk. Oh, you've seen this? Yes. Oh, okay. So it's so a stand desk. He's kind of, so he, he stands for six or seven hours? Yeah. Are you kidding me? But he, I, I think start it's, 10 in the morning. I think it's kind of so he can move around a little bit to kind of get to like different spots. I've never seen a human being. I hear the voice, but I've never seen a human being because it's just, you know, switching from game to game. Yeah. That's weird. Anyway, um, what I thought was funny about that is like, okay, he, he had to go back and sign off, do a proper sign off, saying, okay, there we go, boom, boom, boom. And the siren is still going in the background. <laughs> still going. You got to love that siren, though. I love I, I love that I, I want to find it. That siren, that siren makes it for me. Yeah. It makes it. I think I want to have that siren. I love a good siren, by the way. But that siren... We've all experienced that siren because it is a, like I said, it's, it's not a fire alarm. It's a fire. It's an indoor. It's, it's the an indoor, indoor fire alarm. Right. It's not like, you know, a fire truck or engine, you know, it's, you know, police. No, that, that's and, that, and that goofy one. Yeah. Him signing out was the last time you get to see him because they didn't show him during the, um, the actual thing. Okay. You know, during the actual evacuation, they were just showing the, the video of the, or they were just showing the feed of the game and he just cut in over the feed. Right. Okay. So yeah, he wasn't on so, camera. Yeah, he wasn't on camera until the end of it. Explanation. Okay. Ah, boy. Well, I'll say one thing. Uh, if you have to leave the studio and you, know, you can't switch back and forth the games, 
They picked the right game to leave it on. They did, with, but with Buffalo and Philadelphia. Well, and they picked. He said it in the thing. He said they they're picking the closest game. Yeah, that's you know because it, it wasn't the game that I was at. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't For the Raiders no. and the Chiefs. Oh boy, man! What a dreadful Sunday, though. I mean. Sunday was good for betting for the most part. I mean, you know, the favorites covered for, for the public as we know, but man, just from a viewing option, I could not get over. And I talked about this yesterday. And I think even Monday watching those games in the morning slate when the most competitive game in the matchup is Houston and Jacksonville. Dreadful games. Giants and the Patriots. And I loved it, too, when Chuck Esposito said that, yeah, um, they had the least amount of tickets on that game. And, of course, Marco D'Angelo is betting on the Patriots, who are dead to him, by the way. And we're dead to him in week number four, seven, and nine, now 12. Yeah, some bad, bad football games. Really bad football games last weekend with that. So... Um, looking at this week's slate, we get away from the thanks, uh, you know, from the Thursday game. We have one, you know, we'll go back to the traditional one Thursday game coming up. That is Seattle against the Cowboys. How about that? Seattle and the Cowboys. Now the Cowboys are nine point favorite goes Thursday night. The game they're in Arlington Cowboys, nine Seattle. They're in a must win situation. Six and five. Geno Smith. Geno Smith now with 12 touchdown passes, eight interceptions. And the Cowboys, like I've said, have been such an easy handicap. They destroy teams at home on the road. They're shaky unless they are playing a cellar dweller. But they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, which you're supposed to, but they are having problems being the good teams. Still have not beaten a team, I believe, with uh, over a 500 record. So they could do that with Seattle. Seattle barely over 500 at 6 and 5. Dallas, a nine point favorite. But looking at the rest of the slate of the games, this time of year, you've got teams that are pretty much out of it. But man, do we need to see these teams facing off against each other? And I mentioned, look at those matchups last Sunday. The whole week, include the Thursday games. Okay, you had 16 games. Only three games of the 16 had teams facing off against each other that had winning records. Only three games. That was it. Terrible. That was, it was just abysmal viewing for those games. The three games, 49ers in Dallas. I'm sorry, 49ers in Seattle, which was the Thanksgiving night game. Jacksonville-Houston, which is surprising that they are both over 500, but they were. That was that morning game on Sunday. And then the Buffalo-Philadelphia game. So, in Buffalo, is now only one game over 500. They continue to struggle. All right, so game Sunday, looking ahead. You tell me if you want to watch any of these games. Denver-Houston. Yes. You do? Yeah. What intrigues you about that game? Well, Te- I like the, te- the the Texans are looking good. All right. So we do, we do have breaking news with the Texans, unfortunately. This is sad. Offensive lineman Titus Howard, he will miss the remainder of the season because of a knee injury. Howard suffered the injury 
in the loss Sunday to Jacksonville. He needs surgery. Marks a second long-term injury this season for Howard, who missed four games with a broken hand. He was a first-round draft pick in 2019. He signed a three-year, $56 million contract extension before training camp this last summer and uh, losing their best offensive lineman. And they're coming off that loss at home to Jacksonville. The Broncos are playing better football, but it's still the Broncos. They are still void of scoring, even though they got 29 last week against the Browns at home. But they're playing better. Maybe Sean Payton's... Fine. Maybe it's working. I don't know. But Houston and Denver, three and a half is a line with the Texans at home in this game. But, man, I really don't want to back the Texans, especially without their best offensive lineman. I'll probably stay away from that. Here we go. Chargers and the Patriots. No. Yeah. Chargers favored by six. Another dog here. Detroit, New Orleans. Nope. Don't want to see that either. Nope. Boy, this morning slate gets worse. Ready for this one? Arizona in Pittsburgh. Marco will be happy. He's going to get a W. <laughs> Arizona in Pittsburgh. This could be the worst. Atlanta and the Jets. Stop me when we have a, a must-see game. There's one must-see game. There's wait, none, okay? Not No, not in the morning slate, but there, there is a must-see okay, game. Okay, but so far I've hit one, two, three, four, five games. I don't want to watch any of them. Nope. And, and you're not even hitting them all. Here, how about this doozy? Colts and the Titans. You there, want that? There you go. You no, want part of that? Nope. Oh, my goodness. Here we go again. We're going to add this up. How many of these are teams facing off against winning records again? So Denver, Houston, okay, one of them does. Chargers and Patriots, nope. Okay, so that's one. Lions have a winning record, even though they're not playing real well right now. Pittsburgh, I can't believe they have a winning record. Uh, Falcons and Jets. Okay, there's there's two. Okay, there's two games so far on the docket. Colts and Titans. Colts are six and five, believe it or not. And then here's another doozy: Carolina and Tampa, one ten against four and seven. You want any part of that game? No. Tampa favored by five. Okay, so that's what that's three games. Three games where you have, um. Teams with uh, losing records facing off against each other. Okay, so here we go. Now we get to the good stuff, right? There's only two 125 games. Cleveland and the Rams. You want any part of that? I don't. Not really. Cleveland seven and four. Rams below five hundred. This is the only game of the week. It this is. is this is the game. The this, only game. This and honestly, wow. this should have either been flexed to the Sunday night or the Monday game. Well, here we go. Niners and the Eagles. 125 game in Philly. So that's your, your big game right there in the afternoon. The nighttime game is still a good game. It's, it's still pretty good. I'm not going to hate it because it's at Lambeau Field. Packers are playing better and it features Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs and the Packers Sunday night football. Yeah. And then Monday, Bengals Jaguars. I think you flex. San Fran Philly to Monday. Well, you don't. To Monday. To Monday. To what? To Monday. Who? San, San Fran, Fran Philly? Philly? No, no, no. That's that that's a Monday. That's a Monday game. 
but see, you got to remember, Monday Night Football now is second or th- well, it's third in the pecking order. Yeah. Okay. So the Sunday night game is supposed to be the premier game, and then you want a s- strong game at one twenty-five. It's either that or the Browns and the Rams. So no, I, I don't I don't fault them for doing that. I would like to have a little better Monday night game, but you got to remember that Monday night when you had Joe Burrow, yeah, early in the season, they thought, well, Jacksonville's going to be better. Bengals are going to be good, right? Okay, so that makes sense. But bye week, Baltimore, Buffalo, Bears, Raiders, Vikings, Giants. Um, wow. A lot of bad teams have buys. At least none of those Baltimore, teams will Buffalo, lose. Baltimore, Buffalo, that's it. This is true. The Bears won't lose. The Raiders won't lose. We're good. The Giants aren't losing. The Giants won't and, lose. And the way the Vikings have been playing. Jeez. Yeah. The last two weeks. Yeah. And Joshua Dobbs, I don't want to hear any more about Joshua Dobbs. Enough of that. Just horrendous. But wait, hold on. What? We do have some. More breaking news. Okay, who, who am I going to? We're going to New York. We're going we're, to we're, New York? No, we're going, we're going to Jersey. We're going to the Meadowlands. We're going to the Meadowlands? No, oh. we're going to, where do they play? Uh, that's the Meadowlands. Yeah, they, yeah. So we're going to the Meadowlands. Okay, we're going to the Meadowlands uh, right outside of Secaucus, New Jersey, right nearby Hoboken, New Jersey. Meadowlands, uh, the home of the the mile track there. You can watch harness racing in uh, below zero temperatures in, in December and January. There it is. Beautiful. The Meadowlands where... Whose body is buried underneath the 10-yard line? Gotti or somebody? Somebody. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Anyway. Aaron Rodgers is back practicing with the New York slash New Jersey Jets. He's practicing. Isn't it 78 days or something? 11 weeks. 11 football weeks, and he's back practicing because he's saying that he went to a special place. Didn't go to... Isn't saying where. Well, yeah, I know I know where he went. He went to the Achilles factory. I was going to make a joke and say he didn't go up to Ashland, Oregon, to the, the cave or whatever. No, he's been going to the Achilles factory uh, where apparently they 79 can, days after 79 days ripping his Achilles. Yeah. So I've seen him walk around, look like he's walking around okay. I don't know. Can he push and throw off it? But look at the Jets. I know. There's no need for him to come back. Can they get He's practicing? He's not going to play. So now, it, let's just say they run the they run it rest of the year. Run, are, they, are, are they in? Run what the table? If they if they run the table, like win? If they win, you know, when was the last time they won? What are you talking about? Jets don't win. Well, they are playing the Falcons at home. Exactly. They're four and seven. All right. Okay. You want to play the schedule game? We'll do. Let's it. play the schedule game real All quick. Right. So Falcons, I'm going to give them a win. Let's get, that's a W. I can see it with. Tim Boyle is your quarterback. Yeah. Oh, jeez. There's no pick. No pick six. They host the Texans. That's a loss. There's. So I mean, I mean. Mm-hmm. Then they go to the Dolphins. So can Aaron Rodgers be back for the Dolphins game? Say if they go two and zero and they're six and seven. Okay. So they're which saying, could happen. They got two home games. They're saying twenty one days from today is when he could start. December seventeenth. Yeah. At Miami, warm weather. Grass field. Whew. Do you want to go back to the scene of the crime where you got injured on your home field when they play the Commanders? Listen to the schedule. This is doable. Browns, Texans, Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. So it could they, they could win four or five of those games. Yeah, as a, bad as they are. Yeah. 
So maybe especially, that's why there's a little hope. In- especially if you have Aaron, if you have him coming back and he's going to be. I, I will say this. About, even 80% Aaron. As much as he drives me crazy, I will say this. You know, I've, I had good moments in bad moments. I just, you know, I'll say this. He's handled this pretty good. He's handled it pretty good. And by him, with all of this, he has kept the Jets relevant. Relevant in the news. Not so much relevant as far as winning games that they're, you know, that they're going to make the playoffs, but he's handling this where it's making us talk about the Jets and maybe thinking ahead that, okay, maybe he could play. So, I mean, coming back from this would, would be amazing. But what are you going to do the first time you got to scramble? Or what are you going to do when you, you got to pivot and turn? I mean, just remember I me, mean, he just took a simple drop back and went down. Yeah. You know, but again, it was a freak thing. So, I mean, I'd love to see him come back because, you know, let's, let's, let's see the story. We, we were anxious about the story, you know, whether the Jets are going to be better with him or without him. And we, we found out that, you know, well, they're, they're terrible without him. But now the story turns to could he be successful coming back from this? And will he be a decent quarterback with this injury? And still remember, you got a banged up team, banged up offensive line, who are horrible to begin with. So it's intriguing, but we're talking about it. There is. Back to the darkness, Aaron. Well, I guess he's coming out of the darkness. He is. He's at the facility there in New Jersey working out. We come back. The Rebels got out of the darkness last night. They had a two-game losing streak on the road in Florida. They're back home. They won last night. We'll talk to the head coach, Kevin Kruger, next. My mother says. This is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, that's gold, baby, gold. So I was flipping the channels the other night, and I saw Steve, Steve Heitner. It was the episode with Jerry, the was, soup. It was the soup episode. And, and, and uh, the Uma Thurman phone number. That was faded out. Yep. There it is. I said, there's my guy. I gotta, I gotta get Steve back on the show. Kenny Banya. You gotta love Banya, don't you? Love Banya. He's great. As uh, we digress and talk a little TV, but hey, that's what we do here. All right. Wait, in your, opi- in your opinion. In my opinion. Is soup a meal? Wow. I have made soup a meal. I have made soup a meal. I don't know. I'm gonna have to ask our next next guest what he thinks of that because I think I think he's a Seinfeld fan myself. I really do. The UNLV basketball coach. Yeah, we'll talk about wins. We'll talk about last night's wins, but let's talk about his super meal. Kevin Kruger, what's going on, my friend? Uh, not too much. How you guys doing? Good. So, what do you think, super meal? Super meal, sure, can be. It Why can not? be. It can be right. I mean, I mean, especially if you got a little bread to go with it, or you know. A lot of crackers. You got big chunks of steak in it. Why not? That's what I'm talking about, right? Now, Kevin, were, were you a big Seinfeld fan growing up? 
Oh, unfortunately, no. I never really got into the Seinfeld. Is that right? See? See? Okay, so you don't know what we're I, talking I, about. I hear, I'm told by a lot of people I need to go back and watch it, though. Yeah. So. Someday. See, Someday. What, see, you were one of these these athletes. You're just, you know, you're either watching, you know, sports movies or you're in the gym all the time. That was the deal. You, you didn't have time for, for uh, goofy sitcoms. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I... Well, you know how it was growing up. You didn't. You couldn't just press the button and watch whatever you wanted. That's so, true, right? <laughs> if your schedule didn't uh, line up, it was a little more difficult. Yeah. So, what about moms and pops? Uh, were they were they pretty stringent on on, on what you could watch uh, as TV? Um, no, no. My uh, my parents were really good in that regard. Uh, you know, we didn't. Me and my sister, we didn't do anything too crazy, but uh, we were allowed to watch. Definitely allowed to watch more than uh than our friends <laughs> you know <laughs> right. major league uh, die hard you know we watched those uh, we, but uh you know we understood what language was appropriate and what wasn't and uh we were we were we my parents were pretty lenient in that regard so we were, we we enjoyed watching movies as family growing up when we could so you're probably spending time with your dad watching watching old game tapes and, and that's what you're doing right <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, congratulations on the W last night. Uh, 72-70 over Akron. The Rebels improved to 3-3. Three and three. You guys led by 10 at the half. Looked uh, very good in that first half. Built the lead up to 18 there, um, you know, midway through the second half. And then all of a sudden, Akron comes with their little run here, Kev. So what was going through your mind uh, during the last uh, six minutes of this game? Well, I mean, honestly, it was what was going through my mind was how, you know, good it, it could be for us. Um, obviously, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, we got we got to hold on though. We got to we got to end up with the win. But there were so many opportunities in that. Lab. I mean, we played 30 really good team basketball, um, and of course, we had things we got to improve on. Um, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. But we, we had a good energy level and we had good intent and we got a lot of good possessions and, and, and that's why I think, uh, you know, the way it ended is going to be really good for us. Uh, it wasn't ideal, but we came away with the win. We have a lot of things we could learn on, but we also can take from it that Akron's going to win a lot of games, uh, you know, predicted to win the Mac, which, you know, not many people play the, the preseason favorite to win the Mac every year. And, uh, and Freeman's a great player. Uh, Sammy Hunter knocked down some shots. They got really good, solid guards. So, at, at the end of the day, now now having to wake up or sleep on it, wake up, watch film, talk with the staff. Uh, really, the the thing that went through my mind was just, you know, this is going to be really good for us. We can we now have this simu- You know, we we now have this scenario that you can't replicate. You know, you can't replicate in practice. We have a ten point lead, and uh, and make it feel the same exact way that it feels during a game so um it's one of those situations where we held on um we didn't do anything perfect in the last couple of minutes but now we we know what needs to be different um as a group we know how it feels and uh, and so we can we can learn from it and uh, but as i said the most important thing though was that we held on to it you know when you go when you're preparing for that game last night i think a lot of people 
anticipated that you guys should win that game last night, even though, like you said, a lot of people may not realize, oh, Akron is a, is, uh, could be in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they are uh, the, the Mac favorite and they they've got a good program. They like several teams in, in the Mac. But when you come in and, and you're, you know, have lost three out of your first five games and then you've, you're coming off, we're losing two in a row. Do you feel a little added pressure? Like, okay, we, we've got to snap this streak and we're supposed to beat this team and we've got to beat this team. And then, of course, then when, you know, you built a lead, you're feeling pretty good. And then you're saying, uh oh, okay, now we got to hang on to this. At any point in time, are you getting to that point where, where you feel pressure? Uh, yeah, I think there's, you know, every time you, you don't win a game, you feel, a little bit of a heightened pressure that all right, we, we we need to turn this back in the right direction, and uh, what do we need to do to do so? And you know, as I, I said in the press conference after, confidence is something that you can't just say be confident. You know, you can't just say be happy. You know, be good, be confident, be this, be that. It's something that you you got to play through and 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 get back and get your swagger back. And you know, when we built that eighteen point lead, it was kind of like the Stetson game a little bit. You know, the Stetson game we had a twenty six point lead. And we just kind of we needed to take that next step to take it, you know, to a bigger lead instead of them coming back. And last night was kind of a similar situation. Akron had a lot of pride, very good team, going to win a lot of games, and and uh, you know we needed to we need to understand going forward that we we worked really hard to get that 18 point lead. Now it's time to understand that they're not going to look at this game as zero zero. They're looking at this game like they're down 18 and they need to make a run. We need to look at it as zero zero, and we got to now take that next step and, and, and do and be locked in and just kind of put in that, that extra effort to not allow them to make a run. But hats off to them. They, 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 they made some shots. They made some plays. We did some things we would probably like to do differently. And so, like I said, it, it's going to be good for us because now we've got some things that we can point to and say, this is what we have to do the next time. And the guys can, they can go back to how they felt during it. And it's not just a coach saying it and then just hoping and then just understanding or doing it. Now they know how it feels. You know, Kevin, it's funny. You, you, you talk about that, about, you know, you have the 18 point lead and there is that tendency with a lot of teams that, oh, they can like, you know, take their foot off the gas or coaches could feel that way as well, too. And we were talking in the first hour about the NBA in season tournament. Now I don't know how closely, you know, you're looking at that or you realize that, you know, there are these teams that like, for example, last night, while you guys are playing, the Warriors are playing, uh, the, the Kings and the Warriors needed to win by 12 points in order to advance you know to the next round the knockout round and of course the finals are going to be here in Vegas and everything so you know it's a weird scenario for players and for coaches you know knowing that hey you can't take your foot off the gas and in a couple of the other NBA games you had you know big 20 point leads and coaches were leaving their starters in like in the Boston game and in the uh you know Cleveland game last night it's like wow it's like this this is a different mindset but I guess you you know you have to kind of think that way as a coach no matter what the situation is that you know when you're up like that you can't get lax and you got to keep putting your 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 pedal to the metal so to speak right and uh, is that a message that you know you have tried to get across to your team either like in preseason or practices or in the locker room talking like hey we get up man you know we you know 10 is good 15 is good but man we got to go 2025 no, no question, because you get to a point, you know, where, you know, and we've all been on the other side of it as well, where you, you, you got to start doing something a little different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, last night, you know, we forced Akron, I thought, to, 
to do something a little different and, and hopefully something, you know, you try to get people to do things they don't practice all the time. And that's when you got to kind of take that, that, that opportunity to try to make them feel uncomfortable and try to make them kind of get out of what they practice. And so that the comeback doesn't happen. And, uh, and, you know, we're a little bit on the other side of it in the Florida state game. We were down 14 and we, we brought it back to five. And we, we were in a, we were, we had the momentum and Florida State made a big shot. And it's kind of one of those where, you know, we had, it, we were on the other side of the coin last night where, you know, we built a lead and, and we just kind of had a couple opportunities where we could really space it out. And now we, we can take that to film. We can take that to practice and say, guys, this is, remember what this feels like. This is what we have to do. You know, this is what we got to do. Cause, you know, I, I think getting an 18 point lead on Akron is something that is definitely the guy should be proud of. You know, they should be happy with that up to that point of building that lead. And, you know, I think we gave up in the second half, we'd given up 20 points or 15 points in the first 10 minutes. You know, that's, that's a, that's a recipe for winning games. And, and then unfortunately we, we gave up 25 in the last 10 minutes. And that's where we got to just keep tightening it up, keep working. And, uh, and, uh, but I, again, I, I, I still think this is a team that's going to get better as the year goes on. The schedule is, is a bear and it was built that way because this team, is going to get better. Forty points in the paint last night. That's got to 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 make you feel really good too. I mean, you've got some size down there, and your your guards are, are penetrating. Talk a little bit about the emphasis of scoring in the paint. Yeah, when we uh, you know in in all of our games, including the the closed door scrimmages that we had, when we put an emphasis on driving and, and getting to the rim and sharing it, uh, we've been real pretty good. And uh, you know, last night we shot it. You know, nine of twenty from three, which is kind of what we've done in the games that we've won, including the closed door scrimmages, and uh, and that's just something we got to continue to focus on. We got to put pressure on the defense. We got to take good rhythm shots on offense, and because that really helps us on the defensive end. What do you think the identity of this team is? And I know it's still early on. And again, you got a lot of new players. You you played six games. What is the identity now, or what is the identity that you want this team to have going forward? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think uh, not to be too much coach speak, but right now, I think we're still kind of we're teetering a little bit, and and that's something we've got to we've got to buckle down, and we've got to understand that we've got to be a team defensively that's disruptive. And last night, again, for thirty minutes, I think we did a really good job being disruptive and uh, kind of making uh, Akron make plays on the offensive side, and then uh, when we were on offense, uh, you know, driving it, kicking it, sharing it, you know, shooting shots with confidence, and. Uh, and, and knowing that we're going to get good looks if we share it, if we attack the rim. And, uh, and that's just what we've got to be. And we've got to be stubborn about it. And, and our identity, you know, it, it doesn't have to be set after game one or game six or, or game 10, but it, we've just got to keep building toward that being our identity. So that when people watch us play, they know we're going to be disruptive and they know we're going to attack it and share it and, and get good looks. Kevin Kruger joins us, head coach at UNLV. Rebels win last night over Akron, seventy-two to seventy. You came off your first real road trip. Uh, you went to Florida, played Florida State, played Richmond. Obviously, those games didn't turn out the way you like. But what was your biggest takeaways from those two games and the trip itself? Well, really, it was a three-game trip because you know we played at, at right. Pepperdine right. the Friday before, right? Um, and and in the Pepperdine game, I thought we played. And maybe even our most complete game. We were, we shared it. We shot it really well. We had a bunch of assists. Um, we forced some turnovers defensively. 
we did a good job focusing on, uh, you know, their, their players that like to score it. We made them earn their points. And, uh, and, and so I thought overall, yeah, I mean, we would have liked to win more than one of the three, but at the same time, you know, it, 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 it was an opportunity for the group to see, all right, Florida State's a, a tournament team that's going to potentially win a game or two or more in the NCAA tournament. That's what we need to, you know, that needs to be what we're trying to be like. You know, Richmond's a team, I think, that, you know, not many people knew much about their guys. They had 11 new guys, picked 11th in the A-10. But I think we learned pretty quickly, and as did anybody who's watched Richmond, they're a very good team. And we, we, we understand they're another team that's going to be knocking on the door of the NCAA tournament. So we just got to continue to take steps forward. And, uh, and every game in, the, in our non-conference, and, and of course our conference, but is an opportunity to do it. And it's and it's going to be tough, and it's going to be difficult. And we've just got to keep preparing and keep working, and just understand the value of each possession, offensively and defensively, so we get what we want. Man, I mean, I gotta love your scheduling there, Kevin. I mean, you go from Malibu to Daytona Beach, you know, coast to coast, some nice cushy spots. Uh, very nicely done, I, you know. That's that's nice. Yeah, it was. It's a it's a tough. Uh, it was it was a. Tough schedule in the sense of that you know we go to Malibu and and we fly all the way to Florida and and play a Florida State team and so it was challenging for a reason you know this is this non conference is set up to give the guys a challenge every night and so far it's done that now you get a little bit of a weather difference there from Malibu to uh, Daytona Beach right when you got to go to got to go to Dayton and we remember that game last year where you guys t- took care of business against Dayton and then now you, you go back to Ohio uh, so that's going to be uh, an interesting uh, trip. And then you come back home to the to here, but those games will be at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But just to give me, give me some thoughts as you as you get ready to, um, you know, the the schedule here going to Dayton. Yeah, in a very hostile environment. Um, a, a team that wins a lot of games. Uh, it'll be fifteen thousand people there, and uh, it'll be a, a good road test for us uh, playing against a team that expects to play in the NCAA tournament. So. Uh, we got a couple of days here to prepare and get ready and uh, and uh, get healthy and and see what we can do going up against uh, a team that's going to compete for an A10 championship. All right, and then uh, you know you get to play at the Dollar Loan Center again. While you got to be out of the Thomas and Max Center with the Rodeo Week and everything, couple interesting opponents. You got Loyola Marymount and Creighton. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And how did, how do you like your experience playing at the Dollar Loan Center there in Henderson? I thought it was great. Last year it was a, it was a great experience to play, uh, you know, play Hawaii and play in the Dollar Loan Center and uh, and get those opportunities to you know stay in Vegas, even though it wasn't the Thomas and Mac. Uh, you know, the rodeo's you know been here for a long time, so it's not like it's a surprise to anyone. But uh, to get to get to stay in our own bed and, and play in Henderson and and have the Rebel fans come out there, it's a great venue. It, it's a great environment for for college basketball. So uh, it, we're excited for those. And again, two two very challenging teams. All right. So after six games, you know, like I said, you're you're still learning a little bit about this team here. Talk a little bit about your about your starting five. Uh, you've mixed some things up a little bit. Talk about what factors you know go into you you know deciding your starters, or is is there that much of an emphasis with you, uh, you know, on a starting five? Does that really you know mean much to you, or are you just more more about okay, I'm more concentrating on maybe a seven or eight man rotation? Yeah, I think when when we talk about it as a staff, you know, we just want to try to get the best out of each guy uh, and in each position. You know, we we want to talk about how we get the best forty minutes of point guard play. How do we get the best forty minutes of, of wing play? And and then 
uh, out of our, in the best 40 minutes out of our five spot. And, you know, Caleb and Ice did a, a really good job last night at the five spot. They kind of did it, worked in tandem and, and did a really good job. You know, Freeman for, from Akron is a, Akron is a bear. I mean, he's a really, really good player. And I thought, you know, when we were, when we were buckled in and locked into what we wanted to do as a group, uh, we did a pretty good job on him. Um, he, uh, uh, he, and he still goes out nine for 17 and, and makes a lot of impactful plays. But at the same time, it was, again, it's a great experience for us to, to show us the importance. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a player that that is that good and that efficient, um, what, what it takes. And, but we had great energy. We flew around. We had some really good defensive possessions in the first 30 minutes that I think we can take and build on and, and show on film and, and, and get better. And, uh, and that's what non-conference is for. It's for to get better and, and play together and figure things out. Cause at the end of the day, it's about problem solving. So that's what this non-conference schedule is. It's a, it's a, every night out is going to be a different problem, but it's one that we gotta, we gotta be really locked in and buckled in for to understand how to get it done. You got it. All right. Facing some uh, tough teams and perennial NCAA tournament teams, like I said, with Dayton and then, you know, Creighton coming up. And you might have faced one last night there with Akron. Kevin Kruger joins us. Kevin, before we let you go, talk a little bit about the Rebel football team. Uh, what a great story it's been. Uh, your relationship with Barry Odom as they get ready to uh, host the Mount West Championship game Saturday against Boise State. Yeah, the relationship with Coach Odom's been great. I mean, he's been big fan of basketball. We've been big fan of his. Uh, always texting back and forth. You know, congrats on on the game. Congrats on the commitment. Um, he was, uh, you know, we got when Bear Cherry was in town on his official visit. We bumped into him, and you know, as soon as Bear committed, Coach Odom reached out to him to say, "Welcome to the Rebel family. Happy for you." And uh, I mean, it, it it really has been, you know, following UNLV now for twenty years. I mean, it's been one of the most remarkable seasons uh, that I can remember. And, and they're, you can tell though, they're having fun. They're competing like crazy. They're, 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 they got a lot of confidence. They got a great swagger to them. And uh, I'm just really happy for Coach Odom and his staff. It's a, it, it's a great accomplishment once they've done. And, uh, I said last night, you know, I, I, I threw out, I think it's going to be 20 to 14. I think mm-hmm. conference championship games could be a little tighter, but. Yeah. I wake up this morning. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to put more points on the board than 20. So I think, um, Rebels will be ready and, uh, I think we'll come home with that championship. All right. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, again, that kickoff is Saturday at 12 noon and the Rebels going for the Mount West Conference Championship. That football program has come a long, long way and they take on Boise State, uh, Saturday at noon. Kevin, congratulations on the win. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. And I know we'll be talking to you a lot, uh, coming up here and, uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. You got it, man. There he is, Kevin Kruger, UNLV head coach, and they needed that victory last night, and they got it with a two-point victory against Akron and really a dominated thoroughly that entire game, leading by 10 at the half, up 18 in the second half, and they hung on for a two-point victory. And like you said, you know, as a coach, you love that, that, okay, you're challenged, you're tested, and you got all kinds of different scenarios in that one game last night where, okay, you built a big lead, you know, you feel a little confident. Now, how do you respond when the other team, you know, comes back, puts a run on you? And then in the last, you know, minute or so, it's crunch time when you need big buckets and big stops. How are you going to respond? And the Rebels passed the test. So, again, um, I know that uh, he's happy with that uh, two-point victory last night against Akron. I want to thank Kevin Kruger for joining us. Appreciate him. Trevor Maddich as well. Talking college football playoff rankings. 
in the championship games. We're back out tomorrow. Full load tomorrow. Barry Odom, the football coach for UNLV, will join us tomorrow. We've got him, Scott Spritzer, Sam Gordon, and a whole lot more. Join us tomorrow at 2. Cold-blooded, cold-blooded, I'm telling you the truth.